0: Desiree Berg, and welcome to the 34.
1: Oh, they live in an irony free world. All that gushing, but it's not surprising if you've been following it. Remember any of these New York Times headlines from the days right before the election? On the Hillary side, here's one Hillary Clinton sees ugliness and joy in race's closing days. And this big names campaigning for Hillary Clinton underscore Donald Trump's isolation. Yeah, he could never win. For Trump? How about this one? Donald Trump's moments and missteps, a look back, or black voters aghast at Trump, find a place of food and comfort. But wait, didn't Trump get a higher percentage of the African-American vote than Mitt Romney did? So maybe the press didn't actually know what they were talking about. Maybe they still don't. Either way, it's hard to argue they were rooting for Donald Trump to become president, and yet many Hillary fans disagree with that. Peter Dow, for example, was an advisor to Hillary's 2008 presidential campaign and he joins us tonight. Peter, thanks lot for coming on.
2: Pleasure to be here. Thank you.
1: I, d- I don't doubt that the Comey announcement had an effect on the election. I thought that at the time. But the press was four square for Hillary Clinton from the moment Donald Trump got the nomination. They didn't hide it at all. And the emails that were leaked from John Podesta's Gmail account proved they were collaborating with the Hillary campaign. So there's not really much of an argument to make, do you think, that the press was on
2: Trump's side? Look, a conservative is going to say that the, the mainstream media was against Donald Trump, President Trump, and liberals, progressives, Democrats are going to say that they were against Hillary Clinton. The fact is, there have been independent studies that were done. Harvard Shorenstein Center did one. And look, both candidates got very bad press. You know, candidate Trump got terrible press, and Hillary Clinton got very bad press. One thing that was profoundly different, though, on the email story specifically, we counted 600 days out of research teams, 600 consecutive days of coverage, that far far outweighed any coverage of any other Trump story. So really, where, where
1: was that? Where was that coverage? Was that in the New York Times, and the Washington Post? Oh no, oh, it wasn't. It was oh, unco- oh, no, major, no, it wasn't. I I, I ran one of those news organizations at the time. Major and It was papers. not in the no. That's not true. Well, New York
2: Times did not run 600 days of email Stories. Well, Gallup actually, Tucker. Gallup uh-huh. had <coughs> Gallup had an analysis that said that the only thing. That voters heard when they heard Hillary Clinton's name, was uh-huh. email.
3: Um, yeah. There was well, a word. Cloud the
2: word email was larger than every single other word. So yeah. look, the email story dominated coverage from the very beginning. It was yeah. something no. that she made a mistake and she on, apologized. On, on the,
1: for the it. right, on the right it did, but not uh, in the New York Times, not in the Washington Post. Instead, the New York Times wrote pieces like this. Here's a piece by Michael Barbero three days before the election. Hillary Clinton at a campaign rally, and I'm quoting this now. This is like a prose poem, it's erotic in its intensity. Quote Her arms thrust skyward one after another in what starts to feel like a dance. There's an unfamiliar sense of abandon and joy. The rain grows heavier. Her wet clothes turn a shade darker. She cracks a wide smile. She takes in the scene around her and laughs before she finishes her sentence. I could go on, but I'm... ooh. I'm getting, I'm feeling creepy about it. Meanwhile, same day, I won't go on, but the headline in the Times was, thin Line splits Donald Trump's politics and business. Trump is a villain, Hillary is a hero. That was a storyline in every major media organization in America, you well, were there.
2: Well I, I just, well, I dispute that completely. Look, you can cherry pick stories that were positive I'm for her. Or, or negative against him. Look. At the end of the day, the overall narrative in the mainstream media, and my issue has been with the New York Times, the Washington Post, and, and, and other networks. There was analysis done of the major network coverage, the three-nightly news coverage, six-to-one ratio of email coverage over her policies. So how can voters decide? Look, Donald Trump won the election. He's a legitimate president. I've always said that. This is not right. about having Hillary Clinton become president. This is about telling the truth of what happened. Well, there's the leaked Clinton campaign memo to the Democratic National Committee from last year regarding Donald Trump and Ted Cruz and Ben Carson. The memo said, "quote We need to be elevating the Pied Piper candidates so that they are the <laughs> leaders of the pack and tell the press to take them seriously." Glenn Greenwald, your your response to that?
4: There are a lot of fascinating. Um, insights in those Clinton emails. I know Democratic partisans are furious that they ever saw the light of day. And they're furious precisely because they contain a lot of really important and interesting insights about how political operatives manipulate the media, about how the media aids certain factions and tries to work against others, about how campaign operatives um, within the Democratic Party manipulate public opinion. And one of the more interesting aspects is, is exactly that, the fact that the Clinton campaign did view certain Republican candidates, like Marco Rubio um, and Jeb Bush, as being serious threats to, uh, to them and to Hillary Clinton's election, and in what they thought was a very clever maneuver, wanted to elevate the candidates that they thought were less threatening, such as Donald Trump, to the top of the pack. Um, and in a lot of ways, they, they have reaped what they, what they have sown, because Donald Trump did end up um, essentially becoming the nominee because of the media's treatment of him. And, 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 and in retrospect, um, he probably was one of the more threatening candidates, because the Clintons know how to defeat conventional, orthodox Republican candidates like Jeb Bush or Marco Rubio. They can do that in their sleep. Donald Trump was a very unconventional candidate. I think he animated parts of the voting population who either haven't voted in the past or who haven't voted Republican to vote for him. And the strategies that the Clintons um, anticipated they would use, because they've always worked in the past, simply didn't work this time. And and you could conclude that, in some ways, they sort of outsmarted themselves.
0: So today we have a very special guest, Pat, a.k.a. Peter the Douche, a.k.a. a three-time losing political strategist. Welcome, Peter the Douche.
5: Hey, thank you. It's great to be here, Tina.
0: So for folks that are unfamiliar with Peter Douche, Peter is a parody account, um, and a very funny parody account, one of my favorite ones on Twitter, actually. And he's written a book uh, that's basically about, not about his coming out as Peter the Douche, but about the political landscape. And he uses his parody voice to um, discuss serious politics through the lens of Peter the Douche. But before we get into the book, I wanted to ask you, who is Peter Dow if people don't know who Peter Dow is?
5: (laughs) Right. The less people that know who he is, the better. Um, Unfortunately, a lot of people a lot of people on social media do know he is because he was, he was one of the biggest paid propagandists for Hillary's campaign. And he worked on our campaign, uh, two failed campaigns for her. And then I believe that was a John Kerry was the other one. I, I'm so focused on Hillary these days. I don't even know, but yeah, I think it was Kerry and, um, David Brock, who is one of the, um, the dark forces in politics that used to be a Republican and then switched over to to being a dark force for Democrats. Um, He hired Tom Watson and Peter Dow to form the Hillary men. And their whole purpose in life was to say that every, every attack against Hillary was because you're sexist and racist and, and all, all that jazz that we're used to hearing online. Um, But anyway, I, I picked Peter Dow because he was, he was the most, clear example of a a terrible propagandist that people could see through and everything was very shallow with him.
0: Right. Well, so let's talk about David Brock for a second, since he is the uh, head guy in all of this. Uh, David Brock is most known in my opinion for media matters, but he was also the guy that spearheaded, spearheaded the um, attack against Anita Hill during the Thomas Clarence, um, uh, uh, Hearings. So this is a guy that pretty much had a problem painting Anita Hill as a slut and everything else that he did. And then he switched sides to become a Democrat, but he took with him the dirty politics. And so-
5: The Clinton people say that they're very worried that that a number of -of out-of-state young people may try to show up to the caucus and they're
1: going
4: to make- Really? Is that what they're saying? Are you worried about- Based on what did they say that? I don't
2: know. Based on David Brock's long history of honesty and integrity? the man who tried to destroy Anita Hill, every one of you knows that every day you're being flooded by all this negative stuff from the Secretary Clinton super PAC. I have no idea who says this. This is a lie, an absolute lie.
0: CTR, correct the record, um, hired trolls, etc., throughout the 2016 primary to attack Bernie Sanders' um, supporters and also GOP, obviously. But yeah, you're right. Uh, Peter Dow was one of the worst... Of, of those counts. It's like, it's a parody of a parody. Sometimes you would read his tweets and you would be, is this guy serious? <laughs> you know, right. It was so ridiculous. Um, So he, it was. Well, and, and I
5: think since you brought up, when she brought up David Brock, mm-hmm. one of the things I think a lot of people didn't realize is that, you know, 20 years ago when he was a Republican operative, um, they used to have parties. It was a big cabal in Washington where, so when the cabinet hearings came up, David Brock actually released an article trying to attack Kavanaugh, which you know, just flatly, fly, we we all wanted to stop Kavanaugh. Right. I mean, I think most people did, but but he pointed out that back in his day as a Republican, you know, they had they had schemed a lot of these things, mm-hmm. and so here's this guy now that's a Democrat guy, and well, he's on our team, so he's a good guy. But <laughs> yeah. uh, I mean, he knew, you know, these guys used to all get together in his his apartment and you, know, you got Tucker Carlson, Kavanaugh, I, I forget mm-hmm. the whole list, but everyone you hate on the right mm-hmm. met in David Brock's apartment once upon a time. Wow. And now he's a hero to the left.
0: Well, yeah, he's a hero to the Clinton faction, at least. Um so, yeah, he's a, he right. a great guy that's to parody. that's not really the
5: left, correct.
0: Yeah, he's a great guy to parody just because right. he's so Thank ludicrous and in in over the top. With, the, the way he would defend, he would defend, I mean, Hillary could literally murder 15 people and he would find a way to defend it. That's not an exaggeration. It's like, it was that ludicrous. Right.
5: <laughs> and all those defenses would come down to, you know, it was all identity politics. It's that we were sexist because we, we didn't respect her as a woman enough, like, Right. You know, we wouldn't criticize her policy if she was a man. <laughs> no, that that was his, his, his attack angle.
0: Right. But, and he would use this argument. And when women like myself would point out to him that we disagreed and we thought Bernie had better policy, he would just block us. I mean, he finally unblocked me. So I give him right. credit for that. Now he's had his mea culpa. Uh, <laughs> but right. I wanted to ask you too. What was the moment that birthed Peter the douche? Like, what was the moment that you were looking at Twitter and you're like, "God, I got to make a parody." Like, was there one sort of light bulb moment that um, that sort of birthed <sighs> Peter the douche?
5: I don't really know. I mean, I, I the thing is, people think he was a Peter douche was around during the primaries. I didn't start him until after the primaries, so. <sighs> My mindset okay. when I created the account was, it was part to have a little more fun with it all mm-hmm. so that I could stay in these arguments. But mostly I wanted a, a way to point out the hypocrisy of all the arguments the centrist had been making forever. Right, right. And, I mean, you could just cut and paste his his tweets and say, this is this is a joke. And, I mean, I could be a parody account by cutting and pasting his tweets into <laughs> my parody account. He was... Such a parody. Yeah,
0: great. <laughs> it's true. You're right. This is true. I almost feel like so he was an easy target. His classics. Do we have any of his classics? I'm going to read some of his classic tweets for those folks that aren't on Twitter so they know um, or at least have some idea of what we're talking about here. So there's this one. Both Hugh Hewitt and Cernovich, and the reference here is Mike Cernovich, the alt-right uh, neo-Nazi guy. Political views opposed to mine have complemented my loyalty to Hillary, which Bernie diehards never do. <laughs> um, here's another. Bernie stole the good policy ideas that were proven to work and left Hillary with the bad ideas nobody liked. How is that fair? Here's another. Make no mistake. The media's obsession with forcing Hillary, a Hillary press conference is all about her gender. And here's another. Is it becoming increasingly... Cl- it is becoming increasingly clear that Bernie's diehard supporters, those who became avowed Hillary haters, were influenced by Russia?
5: Right. I I considered doing something like that where I brought more Peter Dow in the book. I don't even talk about Peter Dow in the book okay. other than bringing up, you know, his his role in the party. Um,
0: okay, I got you. So it's, it's
5: the, a the, the, Yeah, I use the voice of someone pretending or not pretending, but I use the voice of someone that was a centrist Democrat, that was a propagandist that's selling you the bullshit. They're selling us all. Mm-hmm. you know, at least on social media, it's, it's the same repetitive arguments we've heard forever. And right. I use it to define what happened in, in the past and then what they're doing now and what they're going to do next.
0: Right. So I would say some of the key arguments um, that Peter Dow would make had to do with race Bernie was always painted as the racist. Tom Watson, his comrade, is the guy that had the tweet that accused Bernie supporters of being wearing uh, armbands like like the Nazis did, which was really tasteless on so many levels. And no matter what Bernie did, he was he was painted as the racist. Uh, you could show him photos of Bernie chain to a black woman protesting segregated housing, and he was still a racist. And you would say to him, "Okay, show me where Hillary did something similar." Well, that doesn't exist. It never happened. So they, but somehow they managed to spin these arguments that, on so many levels, were disingenuous um, at best. Actually, some of them were actually pretty gross. And it just, you know, reached an epic right. level. Yeah, it reached an epic level where it was just. <laughs> just it was bad i don't think there's any well, i don't so, think there's coming back from the 2016
5: so, primary oh it's gonna live on forever <laughs> right. but but you know what you're talking about i so i have a story actually involving peter dow so peter dow did not like that i had a parody encounter on them <laughs> and um <laughs> a very shocking. popular he didn't want
0: popular one too so
5: yeah <laughs> um so but at one point uh, one of his followers, another blue star, you know, known person on on Twitter, which I won't bring up her name, but uh, she said some really horribly anti Semitic stuff, and I, I sarcastically called called her out on it. But she was saying something like, "Well, hey, Bernie fan, why don't you go help your your leader throw people in the gas chambers oh. or something?" You know, and it was like, "Oh my!" Right? God. I mean it it's a it was an obvious obviously terrible moment and. So I brought her up and then wow, um, she, she went, so she, she had gone to sleep apparently. And right? I, so I, I think I did this late at night and she got up to, you know, the world of people calling her out on her terribleness mm-hmm. and then deleted the tweet, of course, mm-hmm. which is the only appropriate response. But then, then she sought out Peter Dow to defend her. You're kidding me. Saying saying that I had doctored her tweet and it never happened. And so Peter Dow sent his minions to try to get me banned without ever questioning the fact that she said She's these lying. awful anti Semitic yeah. things. And then in the in the room, um, you know, if I had doctored a tweet like that, like you Twitter mm-hmm. knows. You 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 report that stuff to Twitter and they right. you know, they can see her record of having said the tweet. Absolutely. And so all this is brought up to him, and, and you would think anyone noble would would then at, at least. I, I mean, I, I don't know. I'm not. I'm not saying Peter Dow should apologize to Peter Douche. That's kind of <laughs> going a little too far. <laughs> but at least disown that follower of hers that yeah, of his that he was sending people to get kicked off Twitter, and he he never owned up to any of it.
0: But this is a typical Clintonite move, even though they say. You know, it, and I hate to say it. I've seen a lot of racist commentary, a lot of anti-Semitic commentary from Clintonites, and they never own anything. They never apologize for anything, and this is part of the problem. Uh, you you can't take the high ground and and call Bernie Sanders all racist if this is what you're going to do. I mean, it's it's insane. So let's talk about your book a little bit. Um, El Duce has now left the embassy in Ecuador to publish a book on our current political landscape. <laughs> <laughs> um, I wanted That's to right. talk about chapter two. Chapter two is entitled Everyone Blew It But Hillary. <laughs> so, so this is an epic discourse right. on how intellectually bankrupt voter shaming is at the end of the day, I think. Um, you know, in a democracy, no candidate is owed votes ever, even though in her campaign, they've they believed otherwise. They had a lot of hubris. I mean, who doesn't go back to a swing state uh, that you lost your own primary and to campaign in? Uh, you know, and I've even seen some of her supporters said, well, it was Bernie's job to win that state for her? No, no, it wasn't Bernie's job. It was her job.
5: Yeah. I mean, <laughs> can Bernie ever do enough? I mean, he, he literally caved in and, and, and turned off a lot of his own supporters to support yeah. her. And then Campaign his ass off for her in states that she didn't even go to.
0: Right, right. And she couldn't even bother with it. So, um, you know, this is after the Pied Piper strategy, which they elevated Trump intentionally. So tell me a little bit about Chapter 2, um, where you're coming from.
5: Well, I just want – you know, it, it's mostly a joke on the whole thing, but um... – <laughs> the The point, and the point of it is that clearly she's blaming every single person on Earth but yeah. her, and yeah. and that's not leadership. First off, nobody throws her whole campaign team under the bus and then blames everyone in the world, and then goes on tour blaming more people, and right. you know, and now she's she's back out there running again. I mean, God, is that real? I didn't. I, I, as much as I'm cynical about politics, I. I didn't think it was possible that she could actually run again. Yeah,
0: I saw that uh, article the other day. Um, I'm wondering if they're floating a test balloon to see what comes back, but it's a bad idea. The third time is not the charm. If she runs again, it will be the death of the Democratic Party, in my opinion. I don't see they barely survived 2016. Yeah, I, you
5: know, I agree. I mean, I think there's an alternative motive. It, it's, I mean, they're testing the waters, but they're testing the waters to see if they can somewhat rebrand her hmm But despite all of it, it's it's possible for her to run again and still there are gonna be so many candidates mm-hmm. that if you if enough candidates get peel off enough support, so say the Bernie Wing has some people that like Kamala, Kamala still, then there's Elizabeth Warren and if Bernie's vote gets divided somewhat, if they're able to do that, mm-hmm. Well, her, her sycophants, it'll be like the Republican stuff. The, the extreme radical people in the party could be enough to get her through the first few waves of getting cut off the island, you know?
0: Yeah, no, and so. that's true. It's, uh, it's amazing to me because even now I see folks defending this stuff. And, you know, I think what's going on with Nancy Pelosi currently is another good proxy Uh, battle for the progressive wing of the party versus the neoliberal wing, because now, you know, look, you have somebody who was, in my opinion, was not a very good leader of the House, Speaker of the House. She uh, lost a lot of seats under her tenure when Obama was first in office and they had a chance to um, keep the public option as part of the ACA. They had the votes there. They had the majority they pissed it away, and I you right, can't super tell me. Majority, yep. yeah. You can't tell me that isn't due to um, her her uh, financial ties to corporations, to health insurers, whatever. There's clearly um, a relationship there, and I see them now trying to brand Nancy as a progressive, and she's not a progressive. She's never has been. So no, yeah, no,
5: of course. <laughs> and, and I mean, when you're when you're saying you I mean, what is your power as leader when you're not even going to? To herd the votes mm-hmm. for Medicare for all—I mean, mm-hmm. something a policy that's tremendously popular. Mm-hmm. I mean, think of how well we could have done in the midterms if we actually stuck to a consistent policy on that across the country. You
0: know? yeah. I mean, she has a bigger commitment and, to but, donors, and you know, when I, I'm convinced at this point, when they say she did a great job, what they're talking about is is fundraising they don't care about the perception that they right,
5: have. Right, and that, that argument is even being made, you know, publicly. That used to be the dirty little argument. Yeah, true. But now they're just on TV saying, well, Nancy's a great fundraiser. <laughs> well, the way the Democratic Party is structured, I mean, you have, you have little, literally, quotas the farther mm-hmm. up the food chain you go. So right. whoever's at the top of the food chain is always going to raise the most money. Mm-hmm. So the the fact that Nancy Pelosi can raise money doesn't even mean that she's the best at it. It's simply a structure of where she is within the party structure, you know, right. the the party pyramid. Right.
0: Yeah, that makes
5: sense. And yeah. obviously the, the big the big issue we have is who she gets the money from. Right. I mean, that's what drives. I that's,
0: yeah. I mean, you know, they want to say that there's no quid pro quo when there clearly is. If they you know, I just, I'm so tired of that argument. It's okay if they take corporate money as long as there's no quid pro quo. I, I mean, really, are you that naive? <laughs> of course there's quid pro quo. Wait, right. Quote.
5: I mean, right. And if your argument is that Comcast, for example, is giving money to both parties, well, they're not doing it for nothing. No,
0: they're not just being good
5: shepherds of the people.
0: <laughs> they will buy whoever they can buy. They don't care what party affiliation the person's associated with. If they're going to get their corporate interests furthered. At the end of the day, they will give the politician money, and, it, and that's transcends party lines. And mo- more, more people need to understand how <clears throat> how ingrained the plutonomy is at this point in our. Um, in our uh, landscape, you right. know, here we just had the elections in uh, California, and the Wall Street money that poured in to defeating Prop Ten was insane. And you know, I, oh. I I actually thought that proposition had a chance because I thought people would be able to see through it, but it didn't even hit fifty percent. It it completely got destroyed.
5: And I was, but yeah, exactly. But if you look at, I mean. You know, every time I turn on my television, I'm in California, I'm in Sacramento. Yeah, that's right. Every mm-hmm. time I turn on my television, there's a, an ad against 10.
0: Mm-hmm. It was bad. They spent an insane amount of money because they knew that they had a lot to lose. Um, and, you know, I, God, but I just thought people would be able to see through the lies, the propaganda, but apparently not. And they also defeated our um, Charter Amendment B here in L.A., which would have been the public bank. So yeah, three hundred million in fees. Okay, instead. yeah, I'm not familiar with that. Yeah, okay, so we had a charter amendment just for the city of LA to set up a public bank, and you know we pay three hundred million a year between fees and interest to Wall Street banks. So obviously they have a vested interest <clears throat> in not seeing us get that passed, and so they spent a lot of money defeating that as well. Right. So um, when Peter Dow did his Mia culpa, um, and he this was what about eight months ago, he came out and you know, pretty much, he didn't quite apologize, but he pretty much said, I realize I was wrong about bashing progressives. I'm actually a progressive at heart. Um,
5: right, sure. So, did
0: that sort of <laughs> so it didn't really end your stick because you didn't buy it, right?
5: Well, I kind of waffled back and forth and played, had some fun with it for a little bit, but, yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, look, maybe, maybe he's sincere. I mean, we can't know that he's sincere or not. I mean, it Without falling, without having his taxes and seeing where he gets money from, mm-hmm. we we don't know. So, don't know. but my, my point is, is someone like him who is, was pointed out as the single biggest propagandist. Mm-hmm. So you, you don't, you don't have the, you haven't earned the right to be trusted ever again when you're that propagandist, when you're that person that he's been. Right. But let's say he is honest. Um, Excuse me. I find it hard to believe. So I I look at like what could be behind the moon. So if you look at all the 20 candidates, every single one of them is trying to out-progress with each other. You know, you've got Kirsten Gillibrand is now progressive. Like she was one of the biggest Republicans. She used to brag that she had the most conservative record in uh, Congress or the Senate or wherever the hell she was, but she's you know she was against. She wanted to deputize local sheriffs to help uh, help deport people. I mean, you take any issue, and she was very hardcore Republican on it. And now she's people are believing that she's some sort of progressive. Well, so, so my point with with Peter Dow is that if the whole party is going to pretend they're progressive, he has to pretend he's a progressive too. And you can't pretend pretend you're progressive unless you agree with, you know, public publicly you agree with Bernie's proposals and progressive ideas. So, so my theory with him is that he comes out and says, oh, you know, I'm backing Bernie. I mean, we got, we got a year before he has to pick a candidate per se. Uh, so he's going to, he's going to come out and say, Look, I, I like all these progressive ideas. I think, I think what we we need though is we need a young person of color that motivates that and you know, that that motivates people that still believe. Uh-huh. But I don't. So I don't see how he could have gotten there unless he did the flip that he did. I like if fair. if you're him and you're you're paid by David Brock, you have to you have to go through a transition because you can't keep relitigating 2016. Like. Mm -hmm. Nobody buys the arguments the Democrats made in 2016.
0: No, they squarely failed. Especially his.
5: (laughs) Yeah, he he failed miserably. He
0: failed miserably, but then you still have these still-with-her-nuts that, I mean, they're still relitigating 2016 primary, and every day I get notices in my Twitter feed where there's some still-with-her-person going on and on, and it's like, my God, is 2018, get a
5: life. But so— that part's tricky because you, you'll you never know how much of that is authentic yeah. and how much of that is fabricated. True. Because in the real world, when you meet a lot of, you mm-hmm. know, if you talk to 10 people that like to vote for Hillary, and even if they didn't like Bernie in the primaries or, or they at least supported Hillary a lot more, mm-hmm. none of them hate Bernie. May, maybe one out of 10. Yeah. Yeah, so I the,
0: think
5: that's the, true. The I'm with her crowd is <laughs> not, most of, the, most of the I'm with her crowd has,
0: Left her. Yeah, but there's still that, you know, that one section of that crowd that's just so, you know, there was a group, uh, you know, my parody, Queen Pumala, is, um, she <laughs> she exemplifies right. that still with her crowd. And they, uh, you know, they still go around. And now the new thing is white feminism, which is just mind numbing to me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Out of the closet. I always knew he wasn't white. I mean, it's so obvious, right? He's, he's like more black than Nina Turner or Dr. Cornell West is. I mean, we should just revoke their black cards now. I mean, I know I'm a white privileged lady, but I know when a brother has gone off the fucking range. I mean, who conflates black oppression with capitalism? <laughs> If I have, I always want to say to these ladies, if I have to explain to you what's wrong with that, I don't even know what to say. Uh, Yeah,
5: let's talk about it at brunch.
0: Yeah. Right. Did you see? There was a t shirt circulating that said brunch is the new black. And I was like, wow. (laughs) I mean, do these. You know, they, there was a couple of them that were trolling uh, Bishop Bishop Swan on Twitter. And one of them was absolutely saying to him that her struggles were as real and as bad as anybody's in the black communities. And I was like, yeah, no, there's there's no world in which a wealthy white woman can make that claim. That's absolutely asinine. It's in fact, it's gross. But here we are.
3: My tweets to Twitter uh, and they decided that um, my conduct was. Hateful. It was hateful conduct because I criticized uh, white supremacy. Um, I criticized black people who parroted alt right racist talking points against black people. Um, And, you know, white offense or discomfort is nothing new, Um, it's the specific reaction that white people have to discussions of racism. Uh, when they're not specifically excluded from the offending group. And that even um, entails white liberals who, if you talk about white people, but you don't specify that you're not talking about them, even they get offended and go on the offense against you. They have a need for you to say, not all white people. It's a knee jerk reaction, causes them to lash out in anger, to derail a conversation or to shut a conversation completely down around the original issue. Uh, The arguments tend to focus on what good people they are and how it's not fair for you to talk about white people in the way that you talk about white people. Um, And really, this reaction doesn't do anything but to help the bottom line of white supremacy because white supremacy works best when nobody talks about it. That's why you get these folk who say, Racism would end if y'all would just stop talking about it because, you know, just it'll go away. No, it won't go away. It will allow white supremacy to continue to thrive because it works best when people are silent about it. It thrives in silence. All right. It, 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 It is enhanced in silence. And then there's this proclivity for white folks to try to define terms on the basis of how they use the terms. This argument has been going on ad nauseum. Um, Twitter says on their site regarding hateful conduct that context is everything. Yet it allows white supremacists to define how it interprets what black people say.
5: I think 2016 fatigue is part of their current propaganda like mm. strategy. Yeah. So we're, we've all fought this argument forever. We're over it. Yeah. We're done with it. I'm done. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I we have no patience for it. I mean, maybe you do, but I don't. <laughs> so in a way they, they're relitigating the same stuff to frustrate us. And in a lot of ways they're trying to get, I mean, there are organized campaigns to get some of the bigger accounts kicked off of Twitter. And, I mean, Twitter's a, a small microcosm of the world. It's it's nothing. I no, um, agree. There's a bigger world like I was, Yeah, and it, it doesn't give you an honest assessment of politics, but I think what it does do is show you... It shows you a little bit of where the enthusiasm is. I mean, mm-hmm. and that's, that's why they have to prop up Hillary online, and they mm-hmm. have to prop up Kamala Harris, and they have to prop up you know, if they don't do it there, then it it just shows you know the transparency shows what bullshit all their arguments is like. Yeah. When you try to tell me everyone in California loves Kamala Harris, okay. well, I'm in California, like nobody loves Kamala Harris. Exactly.
0: <laughs> you know? Exactly. So, do you think she's an actual contender for 2020? I know. I mean, I. I feel like they're floating a trial balloon for her, but I think her record as attorney general, I mean, there's too many things that she can be attacked on. She didn't prosecute Steve Mnuchin, I mean, which was crazy. She had enough um, evidence to do so. She hid evidence in all those drug drug, uh, deals that she made. There was that lab tech that was um, doctoring up evidence, and she tried to hide that. I think that's a big one. Um, I think defending involuntary servitude is a big one. I know she argues that she didn't know about it, but I don't buy that. This was something that SCOTUS uh, made a no. decision on and you're not, you're going to, I'm, I'm not going to buy that. So.
5: Well, I mean, okay. So that's, so that's her ancient history. An ancient was not that long ago, but that, right. if you look at her more current record, so as you know, we had an opportunity to pass Medicare for all in California. Yeah. And, We actually had the votes. We have a supermajority and the votes, and she never came out publicly in support of it. Now, granted, you know she's a senator, and it's not—it's a state issue, right? But her argument was that she, you know, it wasn't her role to 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 have an opinion on this stuff. But that's bullshit because she's argued about a million things. Yeah, I agree. So you know, for her to come out and and be Mm -hmm. misprogressive nationally and try to outflank Bernie to the left when in her own state, she couldn't support Medicare for all when a little more public pressure might have been all we needed to actually force the thing out of, out of right, you know, the committee they forced it into right. I, I don't make disagree. them untable the bill.
0: Yeah. I don't yeah. disagree. You know, and Pat, so, the other thing she's, uh, she's not authentic. I, even when she talks about this stuff now, and people are trying to say that she's uh, become more correct. I don't believe it. I don't buy it. I don't, I don't, she doesn't
5: feel authentic to me at all. No. And I, I mean, I, my comfort in, in no, so I I feel like they picked her honestly two years ago to, to replace Hillary. Mm -hmm. Right. That's, I I feel like the democratic party really did pick her yeah, because they can use the identity politics. Again, a woman, a woman of color in particular, Yeah, um, you know, she's on the Senate select committee and the, I don't know. So all the high-powered committees that Nancy Pelosi gets a picture on. And that, it wasn't Nancy, but... <laughs> well, in that all comes but, um,
0: price. You know, I mean, here, let's talk about that, because I know that they're floating that whole thing with Pelosi and saying, you know, talking about... But the committees come with a commitment, and it comes with a price to the party. So it's, it's not as if somebody that is uh, genuinely not interested in quid pro quo is going to have a difficult time getting on... Uh, an important committee for that reason and that reason alone. So when people say to me, "Well, but look, this committee stuff," I'm like, "Yeah, no, that's not a good selling point." You know what I'm right.
5: saying? Right? And 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 why is she there? Mm-hmm. I mean, she's there TV time.
0: It, bingo! Because she, there's I mean, the quid pro quo. though. That's why she's there. Um, right. You've got to get the money out of politics because in, I think until we do that, I don't see anything improving or changing.
5: Right, because you you can go to politics with the right ideals, and then the system just sucks you into mm. the soulless pit of being the, the corporate democrat. I mean, <laughs> yeah. so no matter what level of power you are in the party, um, just step back from politics. Imagine any job that you have. Uh-huh. Like, say you you get your dream job, and it's like uh, I don't know, actress, <laughs> famous actress, <laughs> Miss Tina. <T-Man. laughs> But half half of your time, you're an actress. And the other half, you have to go into a call center and hustle. Right. There are these binders prepared for you where you open up the binder and you have to call a bazillionaire and beg them for money. And that's mm-hmm. half your goddamn day. Yeah. And, and the farther up you are in the party, that's an obligation of a bigger number that you must bring in. Mm-hmm. Yeah you know, and they have they have literal call centers for this stuff. I mean they it's do. the grossest thing.
0: It is gross. You know, let's talk about that for a second, Pat, cuz I think that's important and I don't know that folks realize that when you're running for office, you're right, a big chunk of your day is spent on the phone asking for money, asking for donations, campaign donations, asking for party donations. And that never goes away. It happens all the way up the food chain.
5: Yeah, and that's the thing. I'm not even talking about I'm not talking about the election period. I'm talking about so you got yeah. your job okay.
0: Mm,
5: yeah, and okay. and you're still. You're God, still- I need to look up the name of it, but there's a great documentary on it that shows you what these people to the do. Dollars, yeah, no, you're you're
0: not wrong, it, it happens all the way down the pipe, and they and then,
5: all they all despise it, which makes you think, geez, there has to be a way to get this passed to change this system because they all hate it. Like, there's nobody that doesn't that likes it. They I mean, if You could be a great it. actress, and.
0: And not doing it. Right. Right, They should just stop doing it. Bernie's not doing it. Um, There's a handful of them that aren't, but you're right. If they hate it, they should stop. They should protest the system that they're in. They're the ones furthering the system when you think about it. You know, it's systemic. Right.
5: And they, you know, they probably justify it to themselves when they take, you know, a huge chunk of money from Big Pharma that, well, okay, I'll vote a a couple of ways for Big Pharma, but that lets me do these other nice things.
0: Cory Booker. Yeah. That's Cory, Cory Booker.
5: Booker, who who sus- who temporarily suspended his big donation. That was Don't my <laughs> that was my favorite That's thing right. about Corey Booker. He, he couldn't even come out. He didn't even have the balls to say, "I'm not going to take him anymore." He's like, "I'm going to stop for now."
0: I'm going to stop for now. It's a temporary halt. Yeah, I was. You know, I mean, and here's another example of obvious quid pro quo when you know the Pharma Bill came around. He wouldn't support it, and then he had this ridiculous argument about safety issues when the drugs from Canada come from the same damn factories as our drugs do. It's like, come on, they're perfectly safe. That's ridiculous.
5: Yeah, and I love that, that issue came up because that exposed him, and I don't think he'll ever recover from that. No. I mean, he won't be president. <laughs> no. and he's he's a guy with the rhetoric. Granted, I mean. His, his whole career is pretty much due to Betsy DeVos and his partnership with school, trying to privatize public schools in that's New Jersey.
0: Right.
5: That's right. People don't know about um, that. Well, he's, and he's still, that's the thing. He, he still hasn't abandoned his bipartisan argument. And, you know, he has some Obama-like rhetoric about working across the aisle and, you know, mm-hmm. the typical stuff. And he's great at that stuff, but he's not once you realize he's full of shit, which <laughs> too many of us know he's full of shit. So right. and his record shows he is
0: right. No, I agree. So, um, what are some of the other topics that you talk about in your book?
5: Oh, geez. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, so I start with, with getting out of the way of the 2016 crap. Cause I don't really want to talk about that forever. Yeah. But I wanted to talk about it to highlight what's wrong and, uh, so I point out how Hillary secured power within the party. Um, I talk about the media a lot because to me, the media, so all this stuff that we're talking about, we wouldn't have to be talking about if the media was actually doing their job. Right. To be honest, I wrote the book to make all the arguments that we've always made. We've made them for the last year, you know, anyone, Really, in the thick of this stuff, that was a Bernie supporter. Mm-hmm. They know this stuff, you know. It, it's burning our brains, but the general public has no clue about this stuff. Still, no, they don't. Like they, it, they really don't. I mean, my own family, when they read the book, were like, "Wow, I don't know this stuff." Yeah, you know. And um, I think we take it for granted. We're, you know, the people that really follow stuff closely are not your average Joe Democrat. That's right. And until we until we reach the average Joe Democrat and they know enough of this stuff, mm-hmm. there's yeah. there's just no chance we, we're gonna have that big of an impact. Or yeah. at least we're not gonna have the impact we should.
0: I agree. I think that's fair. Um, so. let's talk about um, let's talk about this Amazon deal for a second that's making headlines this week. Uh, <laughs> Right it's
5: bad I- it's a sad thing, but so I'm on my book, I'm telling it on my own as much as I can, but my goal is to get it to centrist, and my little Twitter world is never going to get it in the hands of Centrist, so I have to go to Amazon next, <laughs> which I feel terrible about because I hate Amazon uh, but yeah, it's yeah. it's the necessary evil I know right.
0: Well, there's very few options. We're actually working on a TV series now we're in production that's going to be distributed on Amazon. And it's like, seriously? But honestly, there's very few. We live in a, a society now where there's just monopolies going on. And the independent markets that we had previously have just disappeared. And I think that's true of book distribution. It's true of film distribution, music distribution, all of these things. It's unfortunate because it's the creators that suffer. Uh, the deals—I I mean, we can talk about the, the deals that Amazon makes—are just terrible. They're terrible pay for. Uh, <laughs> right, I'm sure you know with your book deal. It's it's very bad, and it's uh, <laughs> it's it's a rock and a hard page. Well, so
5: it it it. As far as a book goes, it, it's mixed because they'll, they'll probably try to sell the book and market it in ways that I would never do myself. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I don't have the means to get it out to, to anybody who's looking for a book, you know, about progressive politics or something. There's just – there's nothing I can do to compete with them actually posting something.
0: Yeah.
5: So yeah, True there's nothing, there's literally nothing I can do. I mean, I
0: no. there's nothing you can do because there's no more, there's no more publishers left. Like there used to be like back in the day, which is when I say back in the day, it's not that long ago, let's say 20 years even ago, you could do this. You would get a publisher. They would do all that marketing stuff and they'd put, you know, but that's gone.
5: Yeah. So I'm, I'm stuck dealing with them probably, but um, at least like all my lefty copies, my diehard lefty copies are not Amazon. So I, th- <laughs> I can sleep at night and a little better with that. <laughs> nice. <laughs> wow. But yeah, the Amazon like cuts your profit profits in half. I yeah, mean, it's bad. easily enough. Oh
0: yeah. The T on the, uh, streaming deals, they're paying like, I think 15 cents a minute or something really ridiculous.
5: Right. But Bezos getting a helipad. So I feel better. Yeah, about yeah. it.
0: Well, okay, so can we talk about this for a second? Because I can't fucking believe this. Yeah. Um, you know, this is worse than some, you know, you've seen sports teams, sports teams owners make deals with cities to get, you know, football teams, what what have you, to come into town. And I was always disgusted with those right. deals because they never, they always say they're going to help create more money in taxes, more jobs. You know, they go down the list of, of bullshit and it's never the case. This deal, this Amazon deal pales in comparison it is so fucked up you know and they did it behind closed doors um, we're starting to see some of the details leak out this week the helipad is just unbelievable so for folks that haven't read this yet um apparently the taxpayers in the great state of New York are supposed to buy Jeff Bezos a helipad because even though the man makes you know five thousand bazillion dollars a second he can't buy his own helipad. <laughs> <laughs> It's like giant. Yeah, I mean,
5: he makes like.
0: It's yeah, I mean, it's just. Right?
5: What are, he, it's just that we can't even factor in how much he makes, <laughs> how quickly. Yeah, it's bad. I mean, and, it, and it's the same argument. So Walmart, you know, spread because of that same mm-hmm. argument. So they would get these sweetheart deals with all these cities promising jobs and then mm-hmm. essentially back out of all those deals and move to the next city that would offer them the sweetheart deal. And that's, that's how they got still perpetuating across the U.S. All this bullshit.
0: Well, I was going to say, I think that, and I think the salient point is that whatever jobs they're going to bring are shitty-ass jobs. You can't, you know, this is New York. You can't survive on $15 an hour. It's not possible. I know, you know, everybody was excited that he finally agreed to to wage all, the, you know, raise all the wages to $15 an hour, but that's not even enough. I mean, in, in, here in L.A., you know, you couldn't possibly pay rent on $15 an hour. So when they talk about jobs, they're talking about crappy jobs, and nobody seems to want to have a conversation about job quality.
5: Right, and that—that's, I mean, that's the, I mean, that's where the progressive populist left has the winning argument because, you know, you can bring up from the right how well the economy is doing, but they're basing it all on bullshit about everyone having jobs and the stock market doing well. Mm -hmm. Well, everyone has shitty jobs. Everyone is one. Illness away from losing their house if they have a house. Everyone that's a millennial and still in college, they know how fucked they are. I mean, they they're gonna have a hundred thousand dollars in student loans. They're gonna get out of, of school and get a job that will barely cover their student loans and bills. Mm-hmm. You know, people see people see that the economy isn't doing great. I mean, in the mm-hmm. midterms, there's a reason they didn't run on how great the economy was because. Mm-hmm the impact, you can't sell that bullshit to a lot of people. And two years from now, it's going to be even worse. Two years from now, no one's going to buy that. So, you know, a more populist left message about returning some fairness to, you know, I mean, just give people health care. I mean, we pay taxes. It's a pretty straightforward thing. Like, let's just all be equal enough to... I'll live in my shitty apartment. You can live in your mansion. You can have your moat full of alligators. <laughs> but can I go see a doctor and not lose my shitty apartment? You know?
0: It's fucking outrageous. It's untenable. The income inequality is untenable. You know, and part of the problem, too, from what my understanding is, is, you know, Andrew Cuomo, who is, you know, he made a tweet the other day about how great the subway system in New York is, how good this guy Joe is that's working on it. And it reminded me of George W. Bush when he was talking about Brownie and the uh, Katrina effort from FEMA.
5: Yeah, it was great.
0: He was like, hell of a job, Brownie. And you're like, the whole entire thing is crumbling around him. you're like, what the hell? It was it was a subway right. thing, right? Because the subway system is in terrible shape, and there's all these problems. But now it's going to be exasperated by the Amazon deal because apparently where they're looking to build this warehouse is in Long Island City, so it's going to strain the uh, system that goes through Queens, that's Even already far. not. Right. Yeah, I, so, you know, here's the thing. If Amazon wants to come in and do this, why, they're using our infrastructure. Why shouldn't they be chipping in to pay for this stuff? You know, here's the thing. They could not sell their goods if we didn't have paved roads. They could not, you know, all of this stuff that they use that's in our common good that we pay for, they should be chipping in. We shouldn't be, like, giving it away to them for free and and saying, please, sir, can I have some more? I don't understand why these politicians do this.
5: How they get away with it, right? Yeah,
0: or what's the motivation for them? How do they benefit? Because the, the only person bene, benefiting here is Jeff Bezos. Seriously.
5: Right, well, that's that's where the media comes into the whole thing. Mm-hmm. So the reason they get away with it is that, is MSNBC talking about Amazon?
0: I'm Is no. CNN
5: talking about Amazon?
0: No, because MSNBC right? talks so they, about Russia all so, day and CNN talks about I don't know what. <laughs>
5: Right. <laughs> like, I mean, you know, so CNN, okay, MSNBC almost lies. They're they're not really lying territory. It's just selective what selective. they choose to cover, and right. and the same thing. is, so they they'll never cover these income inequality issues because you know they, So at MSNBC, for example, if you cover any of this stuff, you're gonna be gone. I mean, right. How are how is the public supposed to know that that losing net neutrality is bad when the only people that inform us about net neutrality are the people that seek to benefit from ending net neutrality? Mm-hmm. So, anytime CNN, MSNBC talked about net neutrality, you know they would they would have a guy on and they would find somebody that's like, well, you know, it'd be nice if. If digitality, you know, it's a good concept, it's good, but at the end of the day, it's not the end of the world, they would give arguments. So that Mm -hmm. was their format on all of mainstream media about net neutrality. Like, well, it'd be better for the public if if they didn't lose it, but don't worry too much about it. Like, that was their their playbook on it. Mm -hmm. And, of course, you know, now it's gone. So...
0: Well, you know, what blows my mind about that is, you know, we had our own state bill for net neutrality and the Department of Justice is suing the weekend. state. Of, yeah, but, yeah, but still, the Department of Justice is suing the state of California over this. I'm like, hold up. You're supposed to be breaking up monopolies, not suing the state for passing a net neutrality bill. I mean, what? <laughs> this is the world we're right. living in right now. I mean, it's just unbelievable. Late stage capitalism is a fucking bust. <laughs>
5: Yeah, and it, I feel like if everybody knew about it, they would they would have related a lot more to the serfs and peons and you know all the medieval shit. Yeah, <laughs> that, I mean that's yeah, why totally. like the hard left is always talking about guillotines because it's pretty <laughs> fucked. It's just that it's exposed, so yeah. people they don't realize they don't the realize system so and what what's actually happening. Well,
0: you know, and again, that's part of the the fourth estate, which is now the fourth fixer upper isn't doing their jobs you know they're all corporate owned um i think you know when uh the whole debacle when um what's his name went to bernie sanders house to cover his ed schultz went to bernie sanders house to cover his oh he got
5: canned from msnbc immediately
0: yeah what the hell i mean to me when he when he told that story before he passed away I was stunned. I was like, "Wait, hold up!" He was at his house. He's ready to go. And Phil Grifithum tells him to pack up and leave. And they're not going to cover Bernie. Are you kidding me? That I mean, that should say that should tell everybody all they need to know about where their priorities are. They're very threatened by anybody that challenges the plutonomy, and the plutonomy is in both parties. And that's what folks have got to realize.
5: Yeah, who are God, I can never remember her name. But there was another person they fired that was a pretty good progressive lefty around the Ed Schultz time. Harris. But they, uh yes, yes. Uh, Harris Perry. Uh, yeah, yeah I'm, she's I'm great. Harris you're Perry. Perry. <laughs> I'm the worst with names, so I trust whatever you say.
0: I do know who you're talking about. She was good. She did get fired, and didn't Joy Reed take her place? I mean,
5: isn't that? Am I wrong? Yeah. About? Yeah. Joy, yes. who to go back to your prior argument about how incredibly Melissa Harris, and, you know, I mean, remember her blog, her blogs came up and her blogs were all this homophobic, Islamophobic, cat shaming, like, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm not saying, look, people change and I, I, I give people that, that permission. And, you know, we all should be able to say something stupid 10 years ago and not be the same person. But if I said those things 10 years ago and then I come out with a story that I didn't say them and that people hacked my account and, well, maybe I said it, but I don't remember this. I said it and maybe there's proof, but I don't know if there's proof. And I'm sort of apologizing for things you think I might have said. Look, if you said it, you, you have to either own it or not. And she never owned it. And she's still on the air.
0: Right. she it's, it's the Hillary Clinton playbook. There There's this disease in that entire group, the Clintonite group, where they can't be accountable and apologize for anything they do. I would have more respect for all of them if they could do that. I mean, look at the way they're handling, um, you know, like, let's be honest, Bill Clinton is a sexual predator. I don't think that's up for debate. It, it never right. was.
5: Right. Right? So... Yeah.
0: At some point there needs to be a reckoning in the Democrat party over this because they can't keep attacking Republicans for the same things if they're giving him a pass all the time and defending it. And you know, Hillary came out what last month and said that she didn't think her husband had um utilized his power to to sexually harass Monica yeah, Lewinsky, which was fucking bullshit. It's ridiculous, clearly. Come on, man. <laughs> He's the president of the United yeah. States. She's an intern. What more do you need to know? I'm
5: just right, saying. and then I mean, it's not like, and, and it's a pattern thing. I mean, a there's pattern. a clear pattern. Yeah. Like She's Paul Jones, play. and yeah, exactly. you go down the list.
0: I mean, some of the, I mean, he's been accused of rape, so I don't, you know, Monica Lewinsky is the least of his worries, and the way he treated her was unacceptable. So at some point there needs to be a reckoning, and I can't understand. I can't understand how they don't see it, how they don't see how crystal clear, you know, how crystal clear it is. I, um, sexual assault.
5: Well, so I think, I think that, that, that goes back to the media. I mean, it's, it's all about controlling the message. So even if we all know that and our, our world and the progressive left knows that, you know, the, the masses that watch MSNBC and CNN are not concerned at all about that stuff. Mm -hmm. It just. Mm They're programmed not to care about it. You know, it's it's just part of the whole stick.
0: Right, right. So, what other um, what other topics do you touch on in your book? I know it's about political strategies, but do you get into any of the um, current um, leftist? So, go ahead. Yeah.
5: Uh, well, I do have a I have a chapter on the Democratic rising stars, <laughs> so I want to talk. <laughs> You know, there's there's a chapter oh, on that.
0: okay, so, who, so who, I mean, who are the re-rising stars? The rising, rising, re-rising, and rising again stars.
5: <laughs> yeah, so that's a Twitter shtick that I did. But So I noticed, okay, so I noticed um, almost a year ago, well, definitely out as soon as the primaries ended, you would never hear on TV Senator Kamala Harris. Mm-hmm. You would hear... Democratic rising star Kamala Harris. <laughs> so there, there's there's serious branding going on. If you watch MSNBC, it's it's all like Coke and Pepsi. Like she's the it thing, you know. And they, so they they sell they and they sell. You won't hear that about anyone. Probably. Well, now they're they're expanding it, but it used to be just just Kamala, and then it became Booker and Kamala, and they're getting desperate now, so they're trying like. Uh, Democratic rising star, Michael Avenatti. I mean, they're not really there, but they're, they're pushing, They are pushing They're, they're throwing him everything up. at the wall because nothing is working and yet.
0: They were pushing him because, you know, is, is anything that's anti-Trump is good enough for them at this point, but he was arrested today for domestic violence, so I don't see that. I don't know if you saw that. Avenatti news. was? Yes, yes. Oh, my God.
5: Was. I was actually out working all day, goddammit. So... <laughs> I missed
0: it. Peter do should have had an epic tweet about this. I have a feeling he will later on tonight. But yeah, so he was... Uh, I
5: will. I'll dedicate it to, to Tina.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so here's the guy that was, you know, pr- prosecuting or uh, not prosecuting, defending this, you know, stormy Daniels against Trump. So that was enough for him to be a rising star in the Democrat Party. But you no, know, here he is now accused and arrested of domestic violence. And they arrested him, so I imagine it's pretty serious. I haven't heard any of the details yet.
5: Right. Right. I mean, and that's that's where the the absurdity of our politics these days, where anytime someone is antagonistic against Trump and us, mm-hmm. the centrist Democrats are like, that's our person. <laughs> it's insanely stupid like okay okay, you've never been in politics uh we don't know any of your political views on literally anything
0: but you you look
5: like you can talk shit about trump so (laughs) you should be our next president
0: right all right so which of the re-rising rising rising stars um do you think actually are viable contenders that we might have to deal with
5: I mean, I, I still think they're putting everything into Kamala. Kamala. Okay. And I hate saying Kamala. It kills me. <laughs> I don't know. I just I just can't do it. I, but anyway. <laughs> no, um, you
0: might be right on that. So I mean, what, what about Joyce? It's Trump her.
5: Biden? It's, Biden is done. There's, Biden done? just cannot. There's no world where. Okay, so the next. In 2020, we're up against too thick. So. Millennials will be the first voting big. They will be the biggest voting block for the first time ever. Right, millennials. And millennials are extremely progressive. They are leaning socialist. They identify as socialist more than more than capitalist. Mm-hmm. True. Um. So, and and this is the voting block. This is not like some. You know, we always say that millennials don't come out and vote. Or, you know, young people don't come out and vote. Mm-hmm. But when they call them the biggest voting bloc, that's because they will, for the first time, be such a big number that they are actually going to be voting. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty much going to doom Biden. And it's not an ageist thing. It's just that he's perpetuated centrist stuff. I mean, he yeah. he says things that are they're like they would have been charming 20 years ago when you're like, Oh, he said that stuff about millennials getting mm-hmm. off their butts and getting jobs. Well, when you're a millennial with a hundred thousand dollars in student loan debt yeah. and you can't afford Medicare and you're in a 600 it's you know, square foot apartment That's that right. costs you $3,000. Mm-hmm. You don't really want to hear that from your president no, or didn't. your, your potential president. So, you know, go up and down the list. He's he's super centrist guy. He's the one bucking the whole progressive movement openly. Mm-hmm. And everyone else is smart enough to not do that. Everyone else realizes the country has gone progressive. They have to at least pretend to be progressive. Mm-hmm. So I think he's going to get hammered on the debate stage.
0: Yeah, no, I think that's a fair analysis. Uh, he's definitely tone deaf. I guess what what bothers me even more more than the tone deafness, though, is the actual, it seems to me that they actually don't really perceive the income inequality to be severe, untenable, and a problem. That's what really freaks me out about some of these folks. When you're talking about- And severe,
5: Biden in particular is yeah. the, he in particular, is the lift yourself up from your bootstraps guy.
0: But there and is no you know, what he doesn't bootstraps that, if you don't have any fucking bootstraps.
5: Right. It, it doesn't work. I mean, <laughs> he's, he's stuck in a 1940s time warp.
0: Yeah. So bring back FDR policies, Joe Biden, and then talk to me. But these kids don't have any goddamn bootstraps to pull themselves up with. That's the problem. I don't understand right. how they would see it.
5: That message is not going to work. I mean, no, I agree. all of his popularity online has been propped up by manipulating polls and mm-hmm. just nonsense. I mean, the idea that he actually has, you know, I mean, they, they pretend he's the front runner for Democrats. Mm-hmm.
0: But, yeah. It's the yeah, same group that thinks Bernie Sanders shouldn't run again because he's an old white guy. want Joe Biden to run again because he's an old white guy. It's yeah. Okay. <laughs>
5: Right, <laughs> right. So, and they're the same group that's like, it's it's time for a person of color supporting Hillary yeah. and Bernie's sexist and racist, and Just, no Joe sense. Biden's our guy also, and it's, and Barbara Lee, you know, if, if you're a Bernie fan and you you're supporting <laughs> Barbara Lee over Nancy Pelosi for House Speaker, you're sexist and racist. Which make
0: yeah, Barbara well, she's Lee's an right? older
5: black woman. She's
0: fantastic. She was <laughs> and, the one. She's the one person that said no to the Iraq war. I I mean I guess Bernie did too, but she's um a longtime progressive um and for folks that don't know who Barbara Lee is, she's from Oakland, California. Um, she's Yeah, been, she'd be great. She'd be great. Yeah, I'd love to see her over Pelosi. I don't um I don't know what's going to happen from that. Do you think she's got a shot?
5: I think we're fucked on this one. Still, <laughs> I think we need I think we need more we need more progressives. I mean we've we've moved we've moved into the, the neighborhood mm-hmm. so to speak with the Democratic Party. And I'm not as pessimistic as a lot of people right. about taking over the party.
0: I'm not either. I think we made some bad I think way.
5: when they when they yeah. look at things historically and they, they say, Well, you know, it these kind of things have happened and the idea of an insurgent party taking over the democratic party's been shot down for fifty years and it's never worked and all that stuff. I mean I'm not saying they're wrong and I'm not saying I'm right, but I think the social media world and the fact that there are a lot of informed people that, you know, millennials in particular don't tune in to CNN. They don't watch MSNBC. They don't buy the bullshit. They know that people are lying to them in power. That's right. So, you know, every progressive we get in there makes it more likely that we can actually have an influence that I don't think we could have had without social media, you know, 20 years ago. Oh, absolutely. I'm an inside outside guy. I still think, you know, the more greens we have, the more people on the left pushing, pushing the Democrats to, to at least publicly pretend to be left mm-hmm. is still good for us.
0: Oh, I agree. I, you know, I always, um, I've always had a problem with the way some Democrats bash independents and Green Party folks, because these are our natural allies. We need solidarity. We need to build coalitions, not destroy them. I don't. Yeah. I mean, look, the base is what, 26, 26, 27% of registered voters. You can't win an election with that. So the continual bashing of the Green yeah, Party, you need- not smart. Yeah, I agree with you. We need him.
5: Yeah, you need... Every election, you're going to need independence. You need your base motivated. Mm -hmm. And obviously, Hillary didn't motivate the base. Literally, anyone could have beaten Trump. Yeah. I I mean... (laughs) Except Hillary. (laughs) Like, the idea that that Trump tapped into some magical, like, oh, let's just be racist and we'll win... No. ...is absurd. I I I think it actually worked against him.
0: Yeah, I think the motivating factor was was it wasn't the racist message, message, it was the populist message. People are hurting financially in the country and have been for a long time. And when you run a bankster against a populist, what it, it, bad idea, there was no way she was ever going to win. In fact, I remember when Bernie Sanders lost the primary, That the day he lost the primary, I went out with my friend Jen and got completely shit-faced in a bar because I knew Trump was going to be our next president. <laughs> a story
5: <laughs> you know i i think i'm i'm too optimistic and i still, i mean i it's so hard because i didn't i wasn't optimistic you know I, I hate to say i was rooting for hillary i just didn't believe the possibility that we could elect that terrible yeah, bastard a lot of people but are. that's why you but that's why you need to appeal to your base you need yeah. to do the same thing people did forever so so much of inspiration to independence and, Right. Did you ever see like Hillary's rejected slogans? I wish I'd do them from heart, but some of them were
0: pretty bad. Um, I think I think your parody owned together is just the best. Or still withering, that's pretty good. Oh (laughs) thank
5: you. Yeah, her so she comes out with a uh, super pack to support I don't even know. It was women in women in politics, but it was wasn't just women but
0: Conservative Democrats in
5: politics. uh, Yeah. Yeah, basically. But onward together (laughs) I mean that that's like that's what I would name my hospice. Right. Onward together. Like looking into the sunset as you fade away. Yeah, it was bad. And this is and that's our twenty twenty campaign is gonna be onward together
0: it should be we suck but have you seen the other guys
5: (laughs) yeah well they it's well that's the scary part is that the worst you know the more trump is a nazi evil guy yeah the more inclined people are to buy the bullshit on the left
0: yeah you know i don't even think that they buy the bullshit i just think they literally think He's so much worse, which but this is why we never get anywhere. We need to have policies that actually change the the dynamics in the country, because otherwise we're just going to keep up giving up more ground to the Republicans. And every time we give up ground to the Republicans is bad because they always out outdo us with everything they do. The Democrats are bumbling idiots at the end of the day as a party. They just are. They always have been. And the you know like if we start to do something in like in the state like ballot harvesting for example the minute the Republicans get their hands on it mm-hmm. they're gonna fucking take the ball and run you know so I feel um, I feel very strongly that the, that the Democratic Party just needs a top to down reboot because they just right they're not getting their shit together they're not listening to their voters or their constituents and I don't see um, I don't see enough of improvement within the party ranks at this particular junction for, for us to have a sustainable win. You know, they'll take the midterm elections. Although I would say, you know, our revolution has some great wins. I think justice Democrats, I think a lot of the um, progressive groups had really good nights. Uh, you know, a lot of the elections that we won were local, but that's okay. It's It's a good place to start. I mean, it's like you said, we're in right. the neighborhood now we are definitely in the neighborhood now. So we just have to keep, I'm positive too. I think we've made a lot of headway, and I don't think um, I don't think we should stop and get discouraged here. I think we need to keep moving forward.
5: The fact that that there wasn't this progressive movement mm-hmm. literally two years ago. there wasn't our right. revolution. there yeah. wasn't Justice Democrat. there weren't people saying reject corporate money right none of that existed two years ago, mm-hmm. and we still got all these people in and the sad reality is that most elections because people are so uninformed come down to the D or the R on the ballot. Yeah. And then, you know, in the primaries, it comes down to name recognition. Mm-hmm. So. It's true. You know, you got two things. You got, you got more people are becoming progressive. More people are tuning out the bullshit. More people are, you know, following these unknown candidates initially. And then you've got the fact that a lot of these same candidates that lost in 2018 are going to run again with, more name recognition. There should mm-hmm. be a voting record to, to point to for the people they lost to for the last two years, right? And I, I mean, okay, so in 2020, hypothetically, if Bernie wins and you get, you know, twice the number of progressives that that won in the midterms, win in in 2020, mm-hmm. you know, you you've dramatically changed the entire game, right? I'm not saying that's that can even happen yet because I respect the people that point out all the obstacles that will be in Bernie's way and all that they were, they're going to try to do to stop him. Which is so sad. I just. Right. But, (laughs) but, but I feel like, so. A lot of what, what you and I and people that are been fighting for progressive causes have done we've immunized him from a lot of the bullshit. Mm-hmm. We've immunized him from the propaganda. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean just just was it yesterday or today? Um they finally admitted that the Jane fraud bank scam thing was nonsense. That's
0: correct, yeah, it was nonsense. They just lost their biggest talking point.
5: <laughs> right. Oh, well, so oh, the, well, so no, what no, are they back still, to? They're back
0: to They're still the Bernie House three houses thing, I guess.
5: That's <laughs> <laughs> right. Bernie has three houses and that's wrong, but Ocasio can't afford an apartment, so she's a terrible person. Uh,
0: Yeah, nothing they say makes sense. The centrist Democrats are a hot mess.
5: (laughs) Right. But see, those are are arguments that, like, half the the arguments on Twitter don't make it to the public at all. Like, they've never heard this stuff. They don't know about Bernie's Mm -hmm. three houses. No one that's just Joe Democrat that watches TV has any idea what we're talking about when we talk about even the bank fraud stuff. They're like, I don't know what that means. I didn't hear that about chain. Mm-hmm. They right. just It's it's the minutiae online to pretend that there's this support and there's this big anti-burning movement. They just want to pretend that. Yeah, it's astroturfing. It's astroturfing. It,
0: But the real problem is that it does translate into the real world because then you have – because every journalist out there is on Twitter with a decent Twitter presence. And even if their audience members watching their broadcasts aren't on Twitter, the journalists themselves bring a lot of what they see on Twitter onto their broadcasts. So I think – if that makes sense. I think it does affect – at the end of the day, even Does that make sense? It does still influences – I, I
5: see why they astroturf. Oh, they wouldn't do it if it didn't work on some level. Mm-hmm. But I think that's where like that's where it validates people that are fighting back against their narratives. It oh, validates absolutely. social media in general. It totally does. Because help. you can't you you can't post any sort of pro corporate bullshit without the comments being overridden by people calling it out. Mm-hmm. And so, until they change that, which they're going to try to do as much as they can, mm-hmm. you know, there, there's sort of a, a fact-checking in the comments section of every social media Yeah, Yeah,
0: that's true. So, let me uh, ask you, I want to make sure that the listeners can buy your book. Where's the best place for them to go to buy your book?
5: Um, so the book is called An Inconvenient Douche, and so to keep it simple, it's an <laughs> That's dot com. That's the purpose. And website. eventually, I'm gonna eventually right. Eventually, I'm gonna put it on um, Amazon, and I mean the the purpose is to reach as many. So the book's a parody, and it I didn't write it as a ha-ha here. We could all be on the left and laugh about this stuff. I'm trying to really reach as many centrists as I can. Mm-hmm. And it's a book written so that you can read it accidentally and sort of enjoy it and learn a lot about what's what needs to change in the party.
0: Indeed. Indeed. No, it's good stuff. Um, and then what's your Twitter handle? Because it's not your name, and I want to make sure that people can find you if they would um, want to start following you.
5: Oh, thank you. Um, at Silly Rabbit, but spelled S I L E Rabbit.